All right, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Um, <clears throat> so I had forgotten what time church was this morning. So that look that Brother Alden had a minute ago about what song he was supposed to sing is how I felt this morning about 1020 when Pastor texted me and said, are you almost here? And I hadn't left the house yet, so it's, uh, it's good to be in church. Um, we are glad to be back. I was telling Heidi this morning that um, until you actually move out of this building, which, you know, may come at some stage in the near future, but until you move out of the building, it just really feels like home walking in here. It always has felt that way. And so it's, uh, it's good that you're here. It's good to see so many new faces, and I'm sure people are away on the holidays and, and all of that. But uh, praise the Lord. It's been a good, uh, it's been a good year. What a, what a great thing to see the numbers that were on the screen. Um, I was just thinking about that in our prayer time just a minute ago, how, you know, I think it said 48, if I, if I remember right, 48 had gotten saved and made professions of faith through the course of the year. And uh, brethren, rejoice in that. Don't be discouraged by the numbers. Sometimes we're discouraged by numbers. But be encouraged that every opportunity that you have to hand a tract to somebody, to, to, try, to try to share the gospel with somebody, uh, it's a win every time. And even if they reject you, it's still a win for the kingdom of God because it's not about us, it's about the Lord. And it's about ha him having an opportunity to take a, a portion of his word, the seed of the word of God, to bed itself down in the heart of that person and to begin to do a work. It brings forth fruit, but it's in a season, isn't it? And sometimes we get discouraged. I know it's been discouraging many times to evangelize here. And you sometimes just feel like, has there been any effect for the gospel? Have you felt that way? And we just sometimes feel that way, but it was encouraging to see it. And uh, so it's going to be exciting to see what the next year holds. Um, and brethren, just be faithful. It's like a revival Sunday, the last Sunday of the year. And you know what we need? We do need that. We need, we need a bit of a rebirthing, don't we? We need a bit of a revival, a bit of a renewing. And so we get that through the Word of God. There's no alternative to that. We get that through prayer. And I trust you've spent a little bit of a season of time, even this morning, uh, in the Word of God, uh, a little bit of time in prayer, just seeking the face of God, and so it would be good to uh, get into the Bible together. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be at this morning, Galatians chapter 5. I don't know if you're a runner. Uh, they're running, people who run are weird people. They're just a little on the strange side. And I know that there's some runners in here, and I don't mean to offend you straight off, but I just have to tell you that there's just some people that run that I have never seen a runner that looked like they were enjoying themselves. You ever seen that? They, they're usually pounding down the, the, the sidewalk or the footpath somewhere with a look of agony on their face. That's just how I run. And so I usually see that. I'm not a runner. I remember in high school, um, we were forced to run. I don't know if you have to do that in high school today. You know, today anything goes. You, one plus one doesn't have to equal two in high school today. But back in my day, it actually had to equal that. And so we were forced to run. And, and in our physical education class in school, uh, what we had to do is we had to run the mile or the mile and a half uh, and that was just a part of what we had to do in, in class. And so we always knew what to expect. The, the track for, for the runners was down below where the high school was. And in, in the area where we went to school, it was, just a, it was just like this rural farm area. And so the high school back in the day was kind of up on a hill outside of town. And where the track was, was kind of out in the brush next to the high school. So there was really nothing on the other side of the track. So the track was there. And then literally you had the track and then you have the weeds. That's how it was. And so uh, what I did when I was in high school was we would, we would have to run, and we were supposed to be timed as a part of our, our grade, but I, I would jump off the track into the weeds, and I would hide there for about three laps. I don't know if anybody else was that way in high school. That's why I was in high school. 
I'd, ha- I'd hide there for about three laps, and then when the, when the bulk of people were running by me at the end of the third lap or whatever, I would jump out into the middle of the group, and I would pretend like I was out of breath, and I would run the last lap. That was a great way to run track, okay? But some people just run naturally, all right? But what I, what I struggled with was keeping the pace. I really struggled to keep the pace. Uh, I used to have to run as a part of my, my professional career, and you couldn't just jump off the weeds. You know, you had to actually run. There were people watching you. You were timed for that. And so there was a level of fitness that was expected. And I remember uh, in the academy, we, we had to run a certain event. And if we, didn't, if we weren't able to run it, we got kicked out of academy, in the police academy. And so it was fairly important to run it. And we always knew that there was a certain pace we had to keep, a certain number of seconds, you know, in each lap. And it was just absolute agony running that thing. I just hated it because I felt like I could never quite keep the pace uh, of what I was expected to do. And that is the way it is many times in the Christian life. Many times in the Christian life, we struggle to keep the pace that God wants for us to keep in our, in our Christian experience. And so this morning, we're going to learn from Galatians in chapter 5. This is just, we're picking this chapter out, and I don't really like to do that, but uh, we're going to just sort of pick this chapter out and talk a little bit about what this year has been like for you and what God would have us to do as believers in the coming year. And we need to learn how to keep the pace in our Christian run so that by the end of next year, if the Lord hasn't come back yet, by the end of next year, we can look back on the previous 12 months and say, Lord, by your grace and with your help and strength, I have run the race that you set before me in this year. Because it's good for us, brethren, to look back. It really is. It's good for us to look back and to evaluate how we lived our, our Christian life. It's good to look back and say, uh, I succeeded in this area. I faltered a little bit in this area. And this is what I need to do in the coming year. It's good to do that. And I would challenge each of you. I challenged my family this last week that we would consider some things from this year and then talk together about what God would have us to do to make some changes in our life for the coming year. And I think we need to just do that as church people. We need to look at our Christian life and say, okay, this is where I may have failed in my family. This is maybe where I failed a little bit in my walk with God. This is where I may have failed a little bit in my, in my, um, my service in our local church. But we should look at these areas of life and say, this is what I think I need to fix. Because the reality is we have all failed a little bit. We've all sort of faltered. Maybe some of us jumped into the weeds this year. And uh, we need to get back in the race, all right? Uh, so Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read a little bit here. Uh, we're going to probably read the whole chapter, but for, for the beginning here, we'll read just a little bit. Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, let me give you some context. These churches of Galatia were in an area uh, that was not Jewish. There were some Jewish people, but it was not a Jewish area. This was uh, quite, a, quite a ways away from where Israel was. And so there are some people that had gotten saved. And there were some churches that had been formed across this region of Galatia. And what was happening, Paul was hearing about this from a distant place, but he was hearing that what was happening is there were groups of Jewish believers or professing believers that were coming into these Gentile churches of Galatia and they were telling the people of the churches that what you needed to do was you, you men had to be circumcised physically just like the Jewish people had to be circumcised in order for you to be saved. 
And so it was causing this great confusion amongst the believers because they had only ever learned that in order to be saved, it was by the grace of God. And so they had trusted Christ. And then there came in these others who were professing salvation and they were telling them, no, no, but you also, you need Jesus plus this thing. And it was causing confusion. And so Paul is addressing this in the whole book of Galatians. He's addressing this issue about the primacy of the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and how it was the grace of God that saved you and it's plus and minus nothing. Now we believe that, don't we? Uh, There's nothing else that you can do to add to your salvation. And brethren, there's nothing that can be subtracted from it. It's freely by the grace of God. And we have to believe it and accept it by faith. And so Paul is addressing that. And that's why he says to them in this verse, he says, now I want you to stand fast in the liberty, in that liberty. All right, let's move on. Verse number four. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, for you're fallen from grace. Now, the law is talking about that Jewish Old Testament law that they felt like they needed to add to their salvation. So he says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And then he said, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, Father, this morning, use the word of God we ask you in our life. And Lord, although we don't live in a region like Galatia and we're not confronted with professing believers that are telling us these exact things, Lord, the the truth of this is really right where we are here in Sydney, Australia. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd open the scriptures And give us understanding here this morning. Father, it is meant to be a Sunday where we we focus a little bit on revival, personally and corporately. And Lord, really that ought to be what we focus on every day. And so help us this morning to consider how we are running this Christian race. And Lord, if some of us need to get back into the race or some of us need to keep the right pace through the coming year, I pray that this would be a beginning that you'd be able to do in each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's much that the Christian needs to be guarded against in this life. And I think that you'd know that, especially the older we get. We, we realize the, the effect of the world in our life. We, we can see the encroaching of the world into our home. We can see the influences of the world and how they, they tend to weigh us down. Uh, I was speaking with a couple of men yesterday, and we were just talking a little bit about how, um, how things are in this, in this latter day in which we live. And I sort of brought up the point that I feel like the way that we are living today is much like Lot was living in Sodom. Uh, Maybe our culture is not quite what Sodom's culture was. But do you remember what it says of Lot in the New Testament? That that Lot was a righteous man. And that he was dwelling there among the people of Sodom. And you remember what it says? It says that it vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Now we could say some things about Lot and maybe the lack of wisdom he had and in moving his family there. That's not a message for today, but I just feel like that's kind of how our culture is going, where there is the the encroaching of darkness upon us in a greater way than perhaps has ever been in our life. And we just feel like we're living more and more and more with the world pressing in around us. And we can see the effects of that in our life. It can discourage us. It can weigh us down. We see what uh, what the Bible says about the devil in the last times is uh, how he burdens down and weighs down and discourages the hearts of the saints of God. And that just seems to be where we are uh, in our our Christian lives in in this century. But God warns us through the Bible. He uses a word in the New Testament repeatedly. And the word is circumspect. 
Uh, the reason that the Lord gives us that is he desires for us to be circumspect, to be constantly aware and constantly on our guard, looking every direction all at the same time because of the encroaching of the darkness upon our life. Because what does God want for us? He wants us to keep the pace. There is a race which we have been called to run, and he wants us to continue in that race and not falter in the race. And brethren, if we're going to keep the pace that God wants us to keep, we're going to have to be aware of what's going on in the world around us. And we, we've just got to be on guard. Uh, the Lord told us in Hebrews in chapter 12, he said, Wherefore also, uh, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. He said, cast it off, lay it aside, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I know many of you have been saved for an awful long time, and, and you know that passage of Scripture. But can I ask you very personally, how are you doing with practicing the truth that he gave us? What is in your life that you've allowed and invited in that has become a hindrance to running the race? The Lord says, I want you to cast it off to the side. Uh, lay it aside. Every weight, uh, every sin, because they easily beset us. They, they easily come upon us. We have this great weakness in our flesh. And Paul says, I know that in me that is uh, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. He recognized the, the weakness of his flesh. And there are things that just so easily uh, beset us and trip us up and, and sideline us from the path. And so the, the author of the book of Hebrews says, now I want you to lay that aside, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So then the question from Galatians 5 is this, how do we keep the pace? Uh, we know that we're in a race and we know that we often falter within that race. So how do we keep the pace for Jesus Christ in this coming year. Let's look at it, verse number one. Paul says this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. I believe that the, the way that we keep our pace is that we determine that we are going to stand fast in our faith. Stand fast. Now, what does it mean to stand fast in the faith? Well, listen, we got saved at some stage in life. If you're a, a Christian this morning, then you got saved and you became a part of this body of faith. Uh, the faith of Jesus Christ is contained within the Word of God. We understand what faith is because of what this book tells us. And so Paul is telling the church and Jesus Christ is telling us today, I want you to stand fast in the faith, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Stand fast in that. But brethren, you're only going to be steadfast. That's what the word means. You're only really going to be rooted and anchored steady in the coming year if you know what it is that God has told you. I see one of the great difficulties, as you know, one of the great difficulties of the Christian life, particularly as we get older in the Lord, is that we become so familiar with the word of God that unless we're careful, it doesn't have much meaning to us anymore. Have you felt that way? Listen, have you ever been in a place in your life as a Christian where you knew that the Lord was telling you, okay, I want you to read this place in the Bible, or you're flicking through trying to find out kind of where you want to go next in the Bible, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I know the story of Exodus. I don't really want to read about the sacrifices in Leviticus. I don't really want to read about the numbers and the genealogies and numbers, and I know that Deuteronomy is all Moses just rehashing everything that took place. That's Deuteronomy, and I remember everything about the life of Joshua and the judges is interesting. You know, I'm, I'm interested in how Shamgar used the ox goat. Oh, that's good, yeah. Oh, maybe I'll read David. H have you ever been there? 
Do you know what I'm talking about? And we just, we sort of flick through it like what interests me the most instead of really realizing, hang on, this is the body of faith that God has given me. This is the words of God that were designed and given by God to me. And God says, I want you to stand fast in that. Stand fast in that liberty. Now, what he's not saying here is not, don't stand fast against the world. He's not saying don't stand fast against the corruption of the world. We ought to do that. But here what he's saying is stand fast in the liberty or with Christ has made you free. A stand fast against professing Christians who would come into the church and seek to sow false doctrine in the church which would corrupt the church. Because you have been made free through Jesus Christ. And he says guard yourself in that and stand fast in that doctrine. I think we all know that People could walk in outside, from outside into the church and seek to disrupt the body and we'd never allow it. We'd cast them out. But the great danger of the church is not from those coming from without, it's those within. It's false brethren come in unawares. It's the corruption that can come from within the body. Amen. And that's what we're supposed to stand fast against. We need to be on our guard in this coming year. Stand fast in the faith. And there's a constant reminder, I think, that we need to have in our life to the work of God that gave you salvation. It was freely given by Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can add and nothing you can take away. God says, now you stand fast in that. Stand fast. He says, stand fast, verse 1, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now to the Galatian believers, that yoke of bondage was this. I have been made free in Christ. And then somebody comes in and says, no, 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 no. You needed Jesus plus works. And it was like getting tangled up in this, in this bondage, wrapped up. And suddenly my joy has turned to discouragement and depression because now it's based on me and not on God. I'm so glad, I am so glad, brethren, that heaven for me is not based in any way upon me. Because if I look back at the previous 12 months, if I could just be perfectly transparent, I've tripped up a lot in the last 12 months. I've failed a lot in the last 12 months. I've looked at my spiritual life in the last 12 months and said it really hasn't been what it ought to be. I often say that the, that the progress of the Christian life needs to be a steady incline. Although we have, you know, this along the way, it ought to be a steady incline. But sometimes we look back at the previous season of our life and say, have I inclined at all? Have I just flatlined and been static in my Christian life? I don't know, but I'm glad that my salvation is not dependent in any way upon me. It's not dependent on what I was, who I am for Jesus Christ, how I've worked for him, how I've loved him, or how much I have failed him. It's entirely upon the mercy and grace of God for me. Thank God for that. So he says, stand fast. But then he says, don't get tangled up. Now to the Jew, it was circumcision. What was circumcision to the Jew? Well, God said to Abraham, this is the covenant that I'm making with you as my covenant people. You have to be circumcised if you're a man. It was the covenant that God made with the Jewish people. That doesn't pass upon me. It's a different era. Circumcision avails nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. Paul said it right here. That's not the issue today. We are a covenant people with God, but it's a different covenant that God made with us. It's through Jesus Christ. It's not through the works of the flesh. You understand? So what he's saying is don't get tangled up. Maybe going back to some cultural tradition that, that um, maybe you thought made you just in the eyes of God. That's what was going on here. 
Now, brethren, I haven't seen that in Australian Christianity, but here's what I've seen Australians get tangled up in. Busyness. Now, hear me this morning. We're busy people. And technology has made us busier. Because now there's greater expectation that because we can, we have to. Because we can be mobile, we have to. Because we can communicate, we have to. You understand? It's made us busy. It hasn't necessarily made our life simple and easy. It's convenient, but it makes us busy. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we can get tangled up in busyness. We can get tangled up in in money and the pursuit of possessions. Maybe I should say it this way. We do get tangled up with money and the pursuit of possessions. There's nothing wrong with money and there's nothing wrong with possessions. But do those things entangle you in the race that you're supposed to be running for Jesus Christ? Can I speak to you, those of you that are younger and just trying to launch out in life? Make sure you follow good examples in your life as far as what you do with your career and with your money and with your possessions. Don't follow after believers that have made that the sole focus of their life. Yeah, you, you, you're not wrong to earn money. You're not wrong to have things. We have to live. Now, there is nothing better than that a man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of his labor. It is the gift of God, but it's not meant to possess us. And brethren, I'm just telling you, there's a whole lot of believers, like truly born again, that are living their life in the pursuit of stuff, which cannot satisfy. That's why we pursue for a month and a half Buy, 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 and we have one day, December 25th, where we give and get, and it just doesn't seem to satisfy. Because on December 26th, Apple announces it's got a new invention, and it's got a new upgrade. And what do we want? I wasted my money. I should have waited. I knew the upgrade was coming. But we get so tangled up in possessions and money. And hey, here's one for Australia. Entertainment and play. We get tangled up in it. I love to be entertained. I love to laugh. I love, I love things like that. You know, if, if, we, if we were going sit, to sit down and watch something on television as a family, what Heidi would do is she would watch, she would watch a, a documentary of some sort. She'd want to watch like Animal Rescue. And, and I would rather go pull weeds in the garden than watch Animal Rescue, you know. She wants to watch real life stuff. Because she's more grounded to real life than I am. I just, I live in the clouds, I guess, or whatever. Just entertain me. Amuse me. Give me a comic book, and I'm happy, you know. But she wants to watch real stuff, all right. But we can, as people, we can get so involved in entertainment and get tangled up in entertainment that here's what we do. We, we sit down off the track, and we pull out our phone and flick it onto Netflix. Listen, and we let the Christian life run us by because we're just laughing at the next thing that's on. For us as Christians in Australia, we're, we're not really caught up with things like circumcision and adding something to salvation. That's really not the big issue with us. What we get entangled with is these kinds of things. Because we have so much, and we have such a prosperous and wonderful country, and such a beautiful place to live, and, and all the things and more that we're tangled up with it. But brethren, there is a simplicity in the Christian life. And Paul says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again. Don't be entangled again 
with the yoke of bondage. You know, the simplicity is this. We were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is back to first grade Christianity, but let's go through it. We were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Peter said it was precious. And it was shed for us on the cross of Calvary, where God became human. We just remembered the birth of Jesus Christ. That was not the event that shook the world. It was a miraculous thing, but the greater miracle took place 33 years later when he gave his life for the sin of humanity. That shook the world. Hey, it it was a local event when Jesus was born. It was a global phenomenon when he was crucified. And everything in the world stopped and became dark. And the Son of God cried out and said, It is finished. Redemption's work has been done. And Jesus at that moment became the Savior of all mankind, but the Bible says especially of them that believe, meaning this, that he gave his life for the sin of the world. And if anyone in the world would come to him by faith, he would be their Savior from sin. But he is specifically, especially the Savior of those that have indeed put their faith in Jesus Christ. Brethren, I trust that's you this morning. You have been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the simplicity of this salvation which you and I profess. You understand? Uh, We were made just by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is the premise of the whole book of Hebrews. One sacrifice for all, forever. A perfect sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. That was just something that covered the sin of the Old Testament. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, to give His life and shed His blood and become the Lamb of God, which John testified is come to take away the sin of the world. That is the simplicity of this salvation which you and I profess this morning. You understand? Paul is saying, now live in it. Live in the simplicity of that. I was lost, but now I'm found. Hey, listen, I was blind, but now I see. I was a child of the devil, but now I am a child of the king. That is the simplicity of this life which you and I live as Christians. And Paul is saying, brethren, stand fast in it. There is great liberty Don't get tangled up with the things of the world and all that the world has to offer and the things that that, uh, choke the Word of God and we become unfruitful in our Christian life. Don't get tangled up. Brethren, it would do us so good today to take just a bit of time and consider our life honestly before Jesus Christ and maybe ask Him this question, Lord, what have I allowed to tangle up my Christian life that's caused me to sit down on the sidelines, jump into the weeds, and become unfruitful and not keep the pace. I I would dare say that if you're saved this morning, just like I am, there's something that the Holy Spirit of God has just been silently knocking on your door this year saying, hey, you need to get rid of that. And it may not even be some overt sin in your life. It may just be something that is a weight that is hindering you from keeping the pace. What is it? So Paul says... um, Just live like it's the reality that you were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and you've been made free in that. Now live that way. Okay, let's move on. So he says this, um, we read down to verse number number six and seven, but look at verse seven with me. He says, you did run well. Hey, listen, from the time that you got saved until the time I had to write this letter, it's been great to observe your Christian life. Uh, You were running well. 
Hey, listen, you were, you were serving Jesus Christ and there were things that the Spirit of God was working in you and changing in you. And you can almost see that Paul was saying, I watched the transformation from the old man into the new and I saw how your life was changing and it was wonderful to observe. You ran well, but he said, who hindered you? What happened in your life? Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? What happened in your life? And here's the warning for us. Don't get complacent. If you want to keep the pace as a Christian in the, new, in the new year, listen this morning, don't get complacent in your Christian life. There will be things that will be introduced into your life that will attempt to hinder you from running for Jesus. Don't get complacent. That's what he's saying. Uh, you might start listening to the wrong voices. You might start changing your beliefs, conforming to new doctrines. Hey, listen, don't get complacent in your Christian life. Be aware of what's going on around you. I have a love-hate relationship with the internet. I don't know how you are, but um, one of the things that's caused me to hate it so much, there's a few, but one thing that's really caused me to hate it has been over the years to observe that it has derailed so many good Christians. And I'm not just talking about the blatant things that we would think about with the internet, like pornography and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's a wicked vice all of its own. But can I just talk to you about like the, the internet evangelists and such. And in our ignorance, because we think that the all-seeing father called Google will tell us everything that we need to know, we just jump on and we want to Google and we want to find somebody who presents themselves a certain way on a web page, who presents themselves a certain way on a podcast, and we begin to indoctrinate ourselves with the views of somebody and we really know nothing about them. We don't know who they are, what they are, what they believe. We, we know nothing. We know what they're saying, but we're not observing the life. Now, here's something amazing that God gave to us. God gave to us his spirit, okay, to indwell us as believers. Do you believe that? Okay, now, his job is to lead and to guide you into the truth. That's what he said. And then what God gave us is God gave us a local body. It's what God gave to us. And then God gave us a pastor. The pastor's job is to shepherd and feed the flock. His job is to get into the word of God and to know and mind the spirit of the Lord and to just simply give to the church that truth from the word of God that God gave him. That's his job. And 372 times this year, you've heard from either him, mostly him, and a variety of other people who have just given you the, okay, that's what God gave to us. God didn't say that the, listen now, God didn't say that the internet is a substitute for the local church. God didn't say that you can, you can substitute the local church with the live stream. It's not what he said. There's more to church than just sitting here listening to the preaching. We don't have time to go into that this morning. I'm, I'm sure you well know the truth of that. But brethren, there's a great danger in that derailing Christians who start to listen to people. Why do they always have to come from America? I don't understand that, but they do. Paul said this, he said, oh foolish Galatians, who, who has bewitched you? Hey, who bewitched you? Who deceived you? Who was it that got in and, and turned your heart? Who did that? Are you this morning, what have you allowed and who have you allowed to bewitch you? Uh, to begin to turn your mind and your thought and your heart uh, who have you been listening to that is 
beginning to derail you in your attitude, beginning to derail you in your passion for Jesus Christ, beginning to derail you in your steadfastness of doctrine, who is it that you've begun to listen to? Have you started listening to Reformed theologians? That's the big thing of the day now. It's a big thing of the day. Let's, let's just start talking about Reformed theology and the introduction of Calvinism and, and all that that entails, a, a subtle, damnable heresy coming into the church. Who are you listening to that's pulling you away? Paul was very candid with them. He said, you bunch of fools. Pastors don't have it so good today. You can't really call the congregation a bunch of fools. It just doesn't work that way. But Paul could get away with it, right? But isn't it the reality that the Holy Spirit is saying to us, don't be foolish? Right? That's what he's saying. Don't be foolish. You've got to be very, very careful. Don't get complacent in the Christian life. Uh, he said in this verse, look at verse number 9, he said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, that's just a blanket truth, but can I tell you in the, from the standpoint of, of the Christian life, God is saying, listen, it just takes a little bit to ruin everything. Hey, in the church, it just takes one to ruin everything. Uh, in, the, in my spiritual life as an individual, it just takes, it takes one sin that I pay attention to to ruin everything here. Uh, it takes uh, one bad attitude, a one wrong decision, you understand, to, to derail a marriage, to ruin a family. It just takes a little bit, and it leavens everything. It ruins everything. And God is saying, be very, very careful in this coming year not to get complacent. Don't allow anything that shouldn't be there. It's only a small amount of error that can ruin everything. Just a slight change of doctrine, just a little bit of wrong counsel leavens the whole lump. So the, the challenge then is maintain your guard in this coming year. Don't get complacent in the Christian life. Look with me now. He says in verse, verse number 10, he said, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, here's, the, here's where we pick it up as a church this morning. Look at verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Here's what he says, live in liberty. One of the greatest truths of the Bible to me, and maybe I didn't always feel this way, but I do feel this way now. I think one of the greatest truths of the Bible is this doctrine of liberty. You know, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I've been adopted into the family of God. I'm a child of God now. And I have perfect liberty in my life. I can literally do whatever I want to do. Now, with liberty comes responsibility. Hear me now. Liberty brings with it responsibility. There are things that I must do within my liberty. I, I must obey the truth of God. I'm free to do whatever as long as it's within the truth of God. You understand? Uh, my liberty, God says, now don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. But he says, stand in liberty. Rejoice in the fact that you're free. I, I love that. That's a great doctrine. I love being free in Jesus Christ. Free to do what I want as long as it's pleasing to the Lord, right? So part of the simplicity of the Christian life is, is this liberty that we have. And it's not, it's not God's permission to live in sin, as you know. We were delivered from that sin. He says, use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Now, brethren, the worst thing about me is me. It's my flesh because it's contrary to God. 
I wish that somebody would have told me when I was 15 that it's not just going to get easy the older I get. I wish somebody had told me that. The older I get as a Christian, life is not getting easier. It's not like I'm conquering battles I'll never have to conquer again. It's not like I finally reached this plateau as this sort of Christian general and and now I just got the troops working for me and I don't have to do anything but sit at a desk. It's not that way at all. I'm still very much on the front line in my spiritual life. I still feel very much like I'm in the heat of battle. Is that the way you feel? It doesn't get easier. You know why? Because we're wrapped up in this veil of flesh which is unregenerate. It cannot be redeemed. This, This mortality has to put on immortality. This corruption one day has to put on incorruption and then death will be swallowed up in victory. But until then, I'm trapped in a body which is very much contrary to the mind of God. And I have a nature that's opposed to God. And so the things that I would, I do not. Those things I want to do, I don't seem to have the capacity to do them. The things I don't want to do, I just find that I do them. And Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And sometimes we go through that. But we always live with the enemy inside. So here's what Paul is saying. He is saying you need to understand that your flesh is constantly trying to take advantage of you. I think one of the greatest failures we have as believers is we forget about that. We just get on an autopilot in our Christian life and we forget that the flesh is the enemy. Can I remind you what Paul said in Romans in chapter 7? He says, I find a law then that when I do good, evil is present with me. Now, evil is just bad. So when I do good, bad just seems to be lurking on the inside. It's always there. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He said on the inside, I delight in the things of God. Listen, I I want to obey God. I want to do right. I want to think right and speak right and live right for Jesus. I delight in the things of God. But I see another law in my members warring against Jesus Christ. And so what he said there is I see this other law warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Okay, here's the greatest thing you can do for a new Christian. Hear me this morning. If you're a new believer this morning, this will help you. If you're a seasoned believer and you're discipling a new convert, tell them this. That just because you get saved doesn't mean all your troubles are gone. Hey, just because you get saved doesn't mean you're on the yellow brick road and you're just skipping along happily until you get to wherever that city is. But sometimes when we get saved, we think that, man, I got saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I am forgiven. Life is going to be fantastic. And I'm here to tell you, you have just entered into the battle. And you're going to fight every day of your life until Jesus comes. And you need to tell that new believer, you have a law in operation inside of you. It's called the law of sin and death. And it's seeking to overthrow the law of God. And those two natures are at war on the inside and you need to be aware of it every single day. And wake up in the morning and realize your enemy is looking at you in the mirror and you have victory that's already been assured you by the presence and power of the Spirit of God in your life, but it is not guaranteed you're going to live victoriously. You have to yield yourself to God. And we need to teach new believers the truth of that because it is discouraging when you get saved and then you realize, you know what? I still sin. I thought all that was going to be gone. No, it's not. So Paul said, For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. 
But he says, don't use liberty for an occasion to the flesh because your flesh is going to seek an occasion, an advantage, an opportunity to get in and corrupt your life. That's what the devil does. He uses us against us. Can I just challenge you in this coming year? Maybe you'd go back to Genesis 1 and just start reading the Bible again. Why don't you read it with this thought in mind? When you see the failures, listen now, the failures of good people in the Bible, consider those failures in the light of the statement I just made, that the devil uses us and our flesh against us. He capitalizes on the weakness of our flesh in an attempt to destroy our Christian life. And brethren, if we were just mindful of that, we would consider who should be sitting here this morning that is no longer in church because something in their life is derailed. And we would realize that the reason they're gone is because Satan got an advantage over them and used them against themselves. The lusts and pleasures and desires of the flesh, which are contrary to God, Satan fostered those things and fed those things and used the fleshly desires that we all carry within us and pulled us away from Jesus Christ. That's what happens. But there's a simplicity in living for Jesus Christ. You've been called unto liberty. You know liberty in Christ, it's freedom from the bondage of sin. You've been set free. I mean, hallelujah for that. You've been set free from sin. So here's what he says, and we'll be done this morning. He said in verse number 13, For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour each other, one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. You know the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ should compel us to love one another and serve each other by love. There are people that that I love in the Lord, I just don't like them very much. Do you have some people like that? You're going, yeah, I'm looking at him right now. Um, Sometimes... There are people that we love in the Lord, but we don't really like them very much. We struggle in personalities or, you know, there's conflict in some way, whatever. Here's what God says. Because you are free in Jesus Christ, because there's liberty, because there's liberty, now serve one another out of love. The greatest thing we can do for one another is love each other. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. That's the way we'll demonstrate the reality of what we profess, by serving one another with love. So how do we maintain victory then? How do we keep the pace in the Christian life? It's, it's more than just these couple of things. The, the sum of it is found uh, in, the, in the next few verses and the, the last, I guess, thought. In verse number 16, walk in the Spirit, he said, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. How do we keep the pace? Walk in the Spirit. I was meditating this morning on what that means. I'm not really sure that I could absolutely and completely tell you how to do that. The best way I could explain it is this. As a child of God, be yielded to the Spirit of God every day. I think it takes determination to do that. I think it takes intention for us to do that. I think it takes us waking up and saying, Now, Lord, how would you like me to live today? Help me to, right, help me to abide in you, help me to walk with you, help me to be mindful of the things that you're mindful of. 
It helped me to be very, uh, very aware of what I do, my conduct, and if there's anything that's displeasing, helped me to be close enough to you that I would recognize it and confess it and stay right with you. Brethren, if we just live that way, we're walking in fellowship with the Spirit of God. And then the rest of this chapter, Galatians 5, deals with the fruit of the Spirit, or much of it. Uh, what that is, is that's just walking in the Spirit, and the life of the Spirit of God is being lived out through me. And those nine fruit are demonstrated. It's not something I have to generate in my life. It just comes out of me because I'm walking in the Spirit. And I'm the first to tell you this morning, I fail in that so often. But God helping me, I don't want to fail this new year. God helping me, I want to keep the pace. I want to stay in the race. Yes, some of you that are faltering here this morning, you're faltering to the hurt of somebody else in the church. Because they're watching how you run the race. They're watching your life. They're, they're watching the pace that you've been setting. They're seeing the fact that you've slowed down on this lap. They can see the, the failure, or they can see the problem, or they can see the issue at home, or they can see the, the discouragement of the job, and they can see how that's affected your life here. And it discourages them, and it causes everybody else to slow down. Brethren, we've got to learn how to keep the pace by walking in the Spirit of God. May God help us this coming year to keep the face for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, this, this morning we just want to say thank you for your mercy to us. <clears throat> I'm so grateful, Lord, that the thing you said about yourself is that you are abundant in mercy. Thank you. Lord, without the mercy that you display to us, none of us could be here. Our heart would stop. The air would go out of our lungs. We'd have no capacity to survive. Lord, we are in need of the mercy of God. So we rejoice in it. We thank you and praise your holy name. Lord, I thank you for the enabling of the Spirit of God. We are, we are called to fellowship with you. You've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, Lord, that's what you said about us. Now our job is to walk in it. Our job is to get out in that race and keep the pace every day. Lord, I pray that each one of us in this very moment now, that we wouldn't tune it out, Lord, but even this very minute, we would consider our life and the pace for which we've been running for Jesus. And we just evaluate it, Lord, and if there's something that needs to be changed, that we do it today. With our heads bowed for just a